I can't decide whether the authors of the lectionary did us a favor or a disservice by splitting chapter 16 of Matthew's gospel account into two separate weeks worth of gospel readings. You really can't split them apart and make sense of this story. Peter's recognition of who Jesus really is, the Messiah, which we heard last Sunday, and Jesus is teaching that because he is the Messiah, he must suffer and be killed and on the third day be raised. You, you can't have one of those without the other. But I also think it does us some good to hear what we heard last week and have a week to think about it and sit with it and celebrate it before we show up today and get slapped in the face with the reality of what we have heard. What a difference a week makes. Last Sunday, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? They responded, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, we hear from Jesus' closest followers that the crowds have identified Jesus among the greatest prophetic leaders of their people. But then, out of nowhere, a bolt of joyful lightning strikes when Jesus asks the disciples, but who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so, so powerful and unexpected was that insight that Jesus responds by saying, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, this is such a profound insight that the only way you could figure this out is if God himself had shown this truth to you. But then this week feels like a bit of a gotcha, like Jesus has set a trap. That makes us wonder whether all the celebrating we did when we figured out who Jesus was is something we should have celebrated at all. As Jesus builds on this profound insight, he begins to explain to us what the significance of his identity as Messiah is as he teaches that he must suffer greatly at the hands of the leaders of the people, that he must be killed and only then on the third day be raised from the dead. It's as if Jesus is saying to us, now that you know who I am, now that you've figured it out, let me tell you how this story is going to end. The only way I will fulfill God's purposes for me is through suffering and death. My way of setting God's people free is to give up my life entirely and Peter wants none of it. God forbid it, Lord, the disciple says, so unnerved that he would even rebuke his master. This must never happen to you. And then Jesus turned and rebuked Peter with those words that I remember from my childhood, some of the most profound words. They sort of stick out like a, a thumbtack in the gospel stories. Get behind me, Satan. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. You've become a stumbling block, a, a tripping stone on the path that is set before me. 
Just a few verses earlier, last week, we heard Jesus tell Peter that he is the unassailable rock on which the church will be built, that not even the gates of Hades will prevail against it. And now Jesus is calling him Satan. What a turn. What a change. And it's that strange change that I want to focus on because I think that same misunderstanding happens to us all the time. We know who Jesus is. We've found him. We recognize him. We've committed ourselves to following him. We go to church. We say our prayers. We try to live by the golden rule. But when we look around, it often feels more like we're wandering through the valley of the shadow of death than walking on the glorious road that leads to heaven. If Jesus really is the Messiah, if he really is the Son of the living God, if he really came to earth to set us free from the burden of evil and sin and death, then why is life so hard so much of the time? Why does it seem like things are getting worse and not better? Why do good, faithful, loving people face so much adversity? Is this really what it means to follow Jesus? To those who are looking to him to be a source of comfort, the words he speaks today sting like ice water thrown in our faces. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. And the only way you can save it is by giving it up entirely. It's a pretty high bar for discipleship, isn't it? I've spent the last three months traveling around and going to lots of different churches. I have yet to find a single one that in their literature in the pew that explains how you become a member of the church lists martyrdom among the steps that are required. Nobody wants that. Nobody looks for that. And if you find yourself thinking, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that, you're not alone. The good news is Peter wasn't ready for that either. But that didn't stop Jesus from choosing him to be the rock on which Jesus has built his church. Jesus didn't pick Peter because Peter had it all figured out. Instead, he chose him because when Jesus looked at Peter, he saw someone through whom God could do amazing things. And I think that's what Jesus sees when he looks at every single one of us. That's what it means to belong to Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, not to have it all sorted out, but to be someone through whom God can do amazing things. But the hard part is that no one, least of all Jesus, said that it was going to be easy. Just as Peter's potential is our potential, so too is Peter's problem our problem. When Jesus presents us with the reality of discipleship, we have a tendency to set our minds not on divine things, but on human things. When he tells us that things are going to be hard, don't we want to run in the other way? 
And who can blame us? It's a lot easier to navigate this life when we play by the world's rules and seek the world's comforts. But there is nothing fulfilling about a life that belongs only to the ways of this world. We might not have a hard time recognizing Jesus, but when we do, we try to make him fit into this life that we love, into this world that we enjoy. But Jesus doesn't fit like that. Being a Christian isn't about getting ahead in this life. It's about losing this life and everything in it because the life that Jesus yearns to give us is so much better than anything we have ever known. Jesus didn't come to the earth in order to be conformed to this world, but to transform it. And the only way that transformation is possible is through suffering, death, and resurrection. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Because our God is the God who hears the cries of those in need. Our God is the God whose heart belongs to the poor and the oppressed. Are we surprised then that it's in the midst of life's struggles that God's redemption is to be found? How else could the Son of God come to redeem us except by embracing our suffering and experiencing our death? This is the faith to which we cling, that God saves us from suffering and death by becoming our suffering and death. And that faith sustains us with hope. If God were only to be found in lives immune from struggle and loss, even the smallest setback would be a sign of our abandonment. If Jesus' victory were achieved through power and might, then only the powerful would have a reason to rejoice. But we know that that cannot be so. Because our God in every generation has always stood on the side of the weak and the vulnerable, the wayward, and the lost. To belong to Jesus is not to forsake suffering in this life, but to recognize that it is through suffering that God's great transformation is taking place. It's hard to accept that truth when our minds are focused on human things and not on divine things. And the only way we can grow in that understanding is as Jesus Christ grows in us. As we are conformed to the mind of Christ, we begin to see that even those places of greatest struggle deep within us are the very places where God's transformation is ready to break through. And as we follow Jesus, we learn to celebrate not the ease that this world can provide, but the redemption that only God can give us. We offer ourselves to Jesus, not as perfected saints who are prepared for martyrdom, but simply as eager disciples who want to learn what it means to follow him. And as we follow we begin to discover that in Christ, the losses we experience are the moments when he is closest to us. And that the struggles in our journey are those parts of our lives when Christ has brought us 
closest to God. Thanks be to God. Amen.